Welcome to the Let's Talk Money and More podcast with me, Leslie Thomas. The aim of the podcast is to get us all talking about money more. Talking about money is still considered to be a taboo. We don't talk about money enough. Women don't talk about money enough. And that needs to stop. In this podcast, my guests and I talk about money, mindset, and how to turn around limiting beliefs, allowing you to develop a healthy, wealthy money mindset. Our relationship with money doesn't just affect our finances, but impacts every aspect of our business. And most of all, our own sense of self-value and self-worth. By mastering your mindset, you can in turn master the money you make in your business. Welcome to today's episode of Let's Talk Money and More. I am so pleased to bring you yet another fantastic guest. Today's guest is Alison Edgar, MBE. Alison, also known as the entrepreneur's godmother to a plethora of the world's most successful entrepreneurs, brings a matchless amalgamation of outside-of-the-box thinking, insight, and knowledge to the world of professional development. In 2020, Alison received an MBE for recognition of her long-term work within entrepreneurship and business, which continues to inspire her methodologies today. Author of not one, but two best-selling books, Secrets of Successful Sales and Smash It, The Art of Getting What You Want, Alison encourages individuals to enhance their professional and personal lives, providing unique methods of motivation with practical goal setting. Thank you so much, Alison, for agreeing to be on the podcast today. I am so looking forward to our conversation. Thank you so much, Leslie. I Thank you for having me. I can't wait. So the first question I ask all my guests is, what is your money story? Well, I'm a fan of money. I like money. I'm not scared of earning money. I'm not scared of talking about money. In fact, and I think years ago, somebody did a, do you have a money blocker? survey on me and she came back and said I don't think you've got money blockers and I no I don't but again it's interesting as to why and how that came from because you know we obviously met on Clubhouse and I've been involved in some of your rooms when you're talking about money and again I like to learn different things in in, in money related rooms and some of the things I hear that a lot of people are held back from their start so if they came from a Again, I know people say money scarcity um, place where, oh, save your money or don't spend your money on this or that's expensive or um, that, again, is it nature or is it nurture? And and we did come from a place of no money. So uh, my dad, again, of the generation that you had to put money in your pension. So my dad was always, you know, put money in his wee pension, bless him, and and that then, you know, my mum was a cleaner in the schools. So my mum would go to work at like 5.30, be back so that she was with us to set us off to school. And then she went back to work in the schools cleaning at five o'clock when my dad came home from work. So my dad worked on the shipyards as a, a draftsman. And 
you know, money was tight. I can remember, like, especially near the end of the, the well, well, he would have got paid weekly. It wouldn't even be monthly, but we used to live on potatoes and beans. There was a lot of potatoes and beans. And I, do you know what, Leslie? I hate potatoes and I've always hated them. And I used to stuff them in my face like a wee hamster and spit them out. And my mum like, that's a waste of food. You know, you have to. So I think probably we came from that, that place. But I think maybe one of the changers for me was my mum and dad had worked so hard to spend that pension money or live in the retirement. And my dad took a stroke at 64, Leslie, just before he was due to retire. And he was, it left him more or less a vegetable. I mean, he did actually live for about 15 years afterwards, but in the state of a sort of vegetation and I think that maybe changed my my mindset to the fact that, you know, I'm not, and I do have a pension. Literally, people go, do you have a pension? Yeah, I've got a pension because I work for a corporate company. So, but I don't believe in living for, um, I believe in living for today, not for tomorrow. So although, you know, I have got savings, I have got pension, I, I like to spend money. I like to earn money and I like to spend it. And I like the things that it gives me. And I have no shame in saying that out loud because I, I, I make my money honestly. I don't steal it. I'm not doing anything illegal. And I, maybe more people having that relationship with money would give them more confidence because I believe that, uh, being able to earn your own money gives you that like aura and, and and that accountability as well. And when you do spend it, you feel like you've earned it. So that's that's um probably where that relates to. But I'm quite cautious. I'd say I'm quite cautious. I don't I'm not frivolous. Uh, I spend it on um things that I enjoy. Is that myself. being Scottish, do you think? Well, I think it's not about proving to other people I've got stuff. If I want it, I'll buy it. I don't have to flaunt it, if that makes sense. Yes. So, and and I love food and I love going out to nice places. So, so I say I don't flaunt it. I probably put it on my social media, Leslie. You never know. Don't we all these days? <laughs> it was interesting what you said there about your dad and working towards his pension because when I left corporate life to join my husband in his business, I would always remember my dad's words: "What about your pension?" Mm. And I found that really ironic, but it is very typical, A, of that generation, but also he was a police officer. And I think when you are in those roles, be it, you know, anything in the private, sorry, in the public sector, in the public sector, I think you are, you do have this mentality that everything is going towards this life you're going to have after working and not necessarily living in the here and now yeah I couldn't agree more Leslie I couldn't agree more and you just never know how long you've got and that again that's not that you should blink your eyelids because when you get to 17 you've got no money and you can't afford to live then that's not a great state to be in either so I think it's getting the balance isn't it the balance between having money put away for for when you need that money but also living the life and, and not waiting for that life to come because that life may never come absolutely and you so you mentioned there that you used to be in corporate and now you are an entrepreneur what made you change from because obviously an entrepreneur's mindset it tends to be one where 
we take risks more. Whereas when we're in corporate, we've got that safety, that safety of a, of a monthly salary, of a pension being paid for, of health insurance, company car, etc. What made you change from that safe environment to maybe a less safe environment? So I didn't start the business till I was 46. So again, I think that you get to that sort of point in your life where, you know, I had, I have got a, a pension sitting around somewhere that I can access in a couple of years. Neil Touchwood, you know, I, I think one of the things that I like, you know, I get asked a lot in interviews, what are the things that you're most proud about in your life? Well, I'm really proud, obviously, that I've got two two brilliant boys, I've, all the things that I've achieved. But actually, I've been with Neil since 1994. So that's, we're kicking on 30 years. And I'm really proud that I've managed to hold a relationship and a, and a marriage together for that amount of time. I'm also really proud that I chose wisely in my husband because he's a software developer and he's got a good job. So again, I think, although it's a risk setting up the business, I didn't take a great risk because if it had failed, you know, we still had the salary coming in. I still had the, the stuff that I had acquired during working in a business. And it would just have been a case of going back and getting a job. And, and you know, I don't care what anybody says in their entrepreneurial journey. There's still days that I go, maybe I should go and get a job. Nah, too many people need me. So I think it's, um, but a lot of that, I think, um, I think it's a fascinating topic on, on money because I do think a lot of it comes to Maslow's hierarchy and needs and, you know, where are you on that, that that triangle? And I think, you know, loads of us, especially when we get to our 40s, 50s, 60s, we're looking to get to self-actualization where we're at that financial stability that you can give back your time and your efforts and still live a, a really good, comfortable life. And I think that's where for me uh, in that position, and it wasn't such a great risk because there would always be shelter, there would always be food, and I could always, you know, if you can sell, you can do anything, Leslie. I say that all the time. So, true. That, so it wasn't, it didn't feel like a huge risk. Um, but no, you know, no risk, no gain. You know, if you run your own business, your earning potential is uncapped. It's like working in sales, uncapped potential. Why would you not want to do that? But again, if you haven't got the components and pretty much, again, I come back to if you can't sell, then you are not going to be able to have that. I hate, I don't, I'm not even going to say it, but, you know, the entrepreneur lifestyle, Leslie, you know, do you want to earn a million dollars? And I just think it's, it's, it's not about that. For me, it's never really been about the money as to why I started the business. You know what? I wouldn't turn a million dollars down if it hit me in the face, but I don't. That's not one of my goals. I don't strive for it. What would I do? Spend it on holidays? Well, I do that anyway. Buy a bigger house? No, I've got a house I really want. I wouldn't want to move. Car? I drive a Jag. Why would I want anything else? You know, so that wouldn't be anything that would push me any further. So, what is it that drives you? I think it is, and again, it sounds quite cliched. But like, I mean, you followed the journey of the book, Smash It, you know, you know, the previous book, Secrets of Successful Sales. I am like really hot as hell at teaching people how to sell, how to communicate, how to smash it, because I smash it every single day myself. And that's what drives me. My team drive me. I've got, you know, brilliant girls that work for me. I got up every day because I'm accountable to them. And, and just the impact that it makes seeing other people doing what, I don't mean I sound like 
doing what I tell them to do. I don't mean it, but using my methods and seeing their results, that's why I do it. I do it for the, um, you know, seeing what other people can achieve when they do, you know, they follow what I do. And it'll be like you with the finance, Leslie, when, you know, you get people who are just in a huddle guddle with their finances and you can unpick it and show them what they should be doing with it. And then they they, they save or they buy a house or they do whatever. And, and you think, oh, I was part of that journey. You feel so proud, don't you? Absolutely. And I think that is the thing, conversation I was having earlier on today. As, as an entrepreneur, as particularly as a solopreneur, particularly in the early days of your business, you have to be all things to all people. You have to be the salesperson, the marketing person, the person that makes the tea, the post boy, post girl, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's only when you start to think and earn some money where you think, well, actually, no, I don't have to know it all. I don't have to do it all. What I have to understand is what do I not know? What am I not good at? And where can I go for that right level of support? Yeah, I mean, I didn't really do it in that uh, that way because I'm dyslexic. I knew straight away. And again, maybe it was starting at 46, but I knew what I'm good at and I know what takes me ages. So actually, I recruited straight away. I mean, I had somebody that supported me pretty much from day one. But again, I think the other thing was really I got to grips with business quickly. So I knew how to make money in business. So like from sort of day one as a, as a you know, a, a sole trader, my target was always at that start of the game. It was 10 grand a month, you know, 120 grand a year. And you can afford to do it if you, you know, you set your target, you know what your pricing is. So I think that, you know, obviously the MBEs for entrepreneurship and business. And that's just something I've been really passionate about. And for me, a lot of the things I find quite easy getting my head around, you know, that sort of side of the things was quite easy for me. Whereas, um, and again, I think it was because of my background in hospitality. I used to have to look after budgeting. You know, I used to have to balance the cash through the hotels. I knew how to work a sales target. I knew how to market. So I came already prepared with those skills. But it was things like, you know, if I had to do a training session, putting a PowerPoint, um, PowerPoint pack together well do you know I can do that but it takes me like a whole day whereas actually someday I can get them to knock that up for like in two hours and then that's done so I always had somebody from day one working with me part-time just doing the the supporting of me if that makes sense no it does make sense and I did the same thing when I started this business was have a VA to support me with the tech stuff that I wasn't particularly either particularly good at or didn't want to get good at and didn't therefore want to spend the time to get good at it. And I think we're very fortunate with the online world these days that there's lots of support out there. We just need to be open to asking for it, essentially. Yeah, definitely. And again, you know, touch wood, we now do all that stuff in-house. So even like we just launched... Um, smash it training and coaching so we've kind of evolved the brands into more um, training of communications customer service sales you know it's got a more broad sweeping um, range that we do now but we did the website in-house so Rebecca can do the website in-house we do all the funneling in-house we created the scorecard in-house so all of that and 
And it's been brilliant because one of the things I've invested my money, not only in the team that I've got, but in training that team to learn those skills. You know, they've gone through their digital apprenticeships, they're going through their leadership programs themselves to get qualified so that they can then do some of the delivery. So I think it's not just taking the people on for me. It was, you know, coming back to money. I could have taken more money out of the business, but I just reinvest it back in to get better because, I'm always playing the long game. You know, it's the accumulator that I'm going for, not the the quick win payout. And that's always been the sort of plan is to go for that accumulator. And I first came across you when you were, and I'm hoping I'm remembering this title correctly, the entrepreneur's godmother. Yeah, I still am the entrepreneur's godmother. I own the trademark for that, Leslie. That one's not going in. That's a fantastic, fantastic title because it really does give that sense of being with somebody, supporting somebody, and kind of still hanging around in the background. So rather than just going in, making a few changes, and then going off again, I love that that whole thought of somebody being there they've you know, you've nurtured them you've helped them move from where they were to where they are but just like any good godmother you're carrying on just keeping that that watchful eye over them yeah and the name came about it was actually one of my clients who's a, I work with quite a lot of young entrepreneurs and Ross Butler he makes gin right and He's from Northern Ireland, but he's such a naughty boy. Like we went to New York on a global trade mission and we nearly got kicked out. Literally, he's so naughty. But uh, but he's really creative and he's really quick. So when I needed a name, I said, look, I need a name. And he said, oh, that's easy. You're the entrepreneur's godmother. Like you didn't even have to blink or think. He just it came out with it. And, I, and then I Googled godmother and it means a person of influence in someone's life or organisation. And that's what it is. You're the person of influence that, you know, I'm the cheerleader, you know, wearing the tiara and the wand when they need me. But I'm also there to put the horsey head in the bed as the godmother. <laughs> and they're not, you know, they need a wee, you know, a wee push in the right direction. So I think it is that balance that... Um, and the good thing I've done, I, I now do a lot of work with bigger organisations, so Discovery Channel, EasyJet, Sky, um, the NHS, and around the intrapreneurship model. So to get employees to think like entrepreneurs, and that's the conjoining factor, is that I am the entrepreneur's godmother. And that's why I can talk about entrepreneurship is because I've worked with so many successful entrepreneurs. So actually, it just... it. it it's like an evolution. The whole thing has just evolved. And, you know, the direction has always been there. The end goal has always been there. But it's just lovely just seeing the journey as the journey unfolds. And and the good thing is, like, I've had a lot of people who have followed my journey. I mean, Touchwood, you know, especially on social media like LinkedIn and, you know, through Facebook, that people... They're not necessarily my customers, Leslie. You know, they're not spending any money coming back to money. They're not spending any money, but they are avid supporters of my work. And it's just lovely. You know, they, they comment in the evolution as well, which is it's just nice. I agree. And I think what lots of us look for, you know, when we are trying to support our clients, trying to get them to believe in themselves and deliver upon that dream they have for themselves, even if, as you say, they don't become direct clients of ours, if we can have that ripple effect that leads to them having their own ripple effect on somebody else, then we know we're part of that ecosystem. And that in itself 
can be a reward as long as we are having our own financial needs, goals, etc. met elsewhere as well. Yeah, and I think that comes back again to Maslow's, isn't it? If you look as you climb up Maslow's, if you've got enough money in the bank and you're not panicking where the next pound's coming from, then you can be part of a community like that. You can support a community as a give back without having to be financially compensated. But I think this is interesting, you know, coming back to the money mindset, because I've got a huge bugbear with the get rich quick people. Do you want to earn a million? And I think what they do is they actually... Like they, they pray and they, they word and they manipulate to the people who are at the bottom rungs of Maslow's and, and make it sound like really easy to make this quick buck and be a millionaire and drive a Ferrari. And they, they use all the words that are really triggering those people at the bottom end. And what happens is like they're not, I'm not saying that it's, it's not possible to make that money, but it's frigging hard. I said frigging there. I did not swear. <laughs> Um, I believe it, that otherwise. It's really hard though, and and they make it sound like it's really easy, and people get into debt and go into debt to learn these skills, and the only way it becomes that's why I think it's like a big pyramid, you know, because the only way they can recoup that money is by teaching other people to get rich, and that pyramid just it just is a dirty, filthy mess, and that's where you know that that I cannot stand that because I feel it's really manipulative, and I think that's what you know, sometimes gives money a bad name that, you know, it, it's, 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 you know, there's dirty money and then there's genuine money and I, I I can't stand ethics. You know, if you look at it for me, I would say it's an ethical thing. So I, I have no, I do not even like blink twice when I put a five, like figure sum to a corporate to speak for an hour, right? I'll give them like, I'll put that out there. I don't even flinch because I know my value and I know that I'm worth it. But that's what allows me to be able to help people for next to nothing. And and if and it, it's getting that balance because, again, I don't believe that doing things for free is a brilliant thing because I think people don't value it. I do think that people have to contribute, but by with ethical pricing, they can contribute something that's not going to drive them in to the depths of despair and debt and, and just really encourage them to take that action. So, you know, that's where I, I feel a lot, especially in the coaching space, Leslie, and the personal development space and the, you know, and it's, I call it a bit like heroin. Like people love that adrenaline rush. And how I'm going to, again, it's like gambling, isn't it? It's like that adrenaline rush. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're not making that, you know, and then they, they, they just go flat, they go through the floor and then they're looking for that rush again and they're getting more debt. And, and I, I just, I wish that that whole industry would become regulated to okay. clean it up because it's, it's filthy dirty. Yeah, no, I totally and utterly agree with you. And I think the coaching industry is largely responsible for money being seen as something dirty, something to shy away from, something to feel ashamed to be associated with. And I think, you know, all the things around NLP, etc., where you are able to use certain trigger words to create certain feelings, emotions, scarcity in people, that is totally and utterly wrong and certain coaching techniques can really be used against people rather than to support people and I think people attach so much of their self-value and self-worth 
to money rather than seeing a number in their bank account as information. It's information on which you can decide a course of action. It's not something to be ashamed about, shy away from. You should look at that as a piece of information so that you can decide your next step. Do you launch a new program? Do you go out and take a different job? Do you pivot, et cetera, et cetera? But I totally agree with you. When you see people using tactics that get people into a position of being in further debt, in not being able to realize whatever they have been promised, I think the only way to do away with that is to ensure the coaching business is regulated because there are certain techniques that are as powerful as taking a drug and drugs is a regulated industry. Mm. So why when you can go and get you know, an NLP training in a week, for example, whereas I'm doing a course at the moment, it's taking me, take me nine months to get my, my next set of accreditation. And I'm investing in myself. If I'm not investing in myself properly, how can I ask clients to? And I think you're so right. It's so important that we put the credibility back into the coaching industry. Yeah. And I think, again, the sales industry. So I'm working with um, the 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 government the governing side of sales and we're trying to put make sales regulated as a as an industry because there is a lot of dirty selling not not just in the coaching industry but every industry so we are working directly with government um and I've been involved as a as a witness they say you go in and you do this witness sounds like a witness protection doesn't it a witness protection um but I give my statements on how I, I feel my opinions can help to clean that the industry the sales industry up not the coaching one but I do think that you know they are taking it's all parliamentary as well which is brilliant because it obviously doesn't just work with you know government it's all parliamentary so like moving forward then that is something we are working with with the um professional sales organizations and as far as you know your relationship with money is concerned now what do you feel you have learned about yourself over the last period of time since you know being an entrepreneur I think it goes back further than that so Neil, Mr. Edgar has always been good, you know, well, I say good with money. Sometimes when we've got less money, that's when we want to spend it, isn't it? It's <laughs> we're, we're that scarcity. Sometimes you think, ah, you know what, let's just go and we'll, do, we'll spend it or we'll buy something. But I think, again, it always comes back to the capability to be able to repay it. I think that's where you can, it's okay to spend it if you know you've got the capacity. And again, I think I probably that came from Neil because he is a software developer. When I first met him, he was in a, a fair bit of debt, um, not through student loans because there wasn't really student loans at that time, but he managed to rack up a fair few quid on his credit card when he was going through uni. And I, I had said to him like, well, you know, you know you've got this debt and I've not got any debt. And da, 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 da. he said, Alison, I've got a cracking degree. I've got a great job and I'm always going to be able to pay it back. So I think it's that knowledge, isn't it, that you think, well, and again, you never know what's around the corner, you know, health, all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, so uh, and I'll give you a laugh. So Neil always thinks that people are stealing from him, right? He's always had that everybody's stealing from me. 
So even going back, I mean, this has gone back 20 years, we would have to get the an Excel spreadsheet. So obviously you do it now on zero or QuickBooks and you can manage your money coming in. But this wasn't business finances. This is our personal finances. And I used to have to go through every statement to make sure nobody was stealing from us. <laughs> and we balanced it on. I can't even, I think it was Excel. There was some software tool before zero, but it was the same thing. You know, at zero, when you balance, you get the ping. And like every month I had to get the ping. So I think I've always had a fair understanding. And again, I think this is where a lot of people fall down when they set a business they don't understand their personal finances so they don't know what they need to take out of the business and then the money becomes grey because they need that money to live but they're not making that money and especially through lockdown I mean that's been horrific for a lot of people and they've just not known and and you know I'll give you an example um, I got a call from a guy who has got a business in <clears throat> sliding sash windows that's what the business does. And he'd read my first book. He'd read Secrets of Successful Sales. And he said, um, Alison, I really need your help. I, I, I just need your help. And he said, how much would you charge me for a day? And I said, well, wait a minute. What do you need my help for? So we did a wee bit. And he said, I'm just in a mess financially. And I, 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 I don't know why. And I said, right, okay, send me across your P&L. Send me across your year-end account. Send me across your finances and I'll have a wee look. And Leslie, I, I looked at the I looked at the accounts and I couldn't see the gap. I couldn't see what he was talking about. So I said, like, I have to charge you money because if I don't charge you money, you're not going to value it. I'll give you a good old mate's rate. Went into London, met him for half a day, and it turned out that he just kept going in with a company card and taking cash out. And I couldn't see it. And I just couldn't see it in the accounts. It wasn't, it wasn't there. Anyway. I had a word with my accountant and I said, look, I'm I'm not the expert on finance, I, I, but I think that I can't see a way out for this man to, to save the business or get it coming through. And the one thing I made him do was his personal finances, right? Down to, you know, how often are your kids going to swimming lessons? How much wine are you drinking during the week? How much alcohol are you drinking? Let's have a look at what you're actually spending. And when he actually could see what he was spending on his pe- his personal finances, the man like just, he just started, he broke down. He was like, oh my God. So I keep in touch with him and I said, how's things going? He's like, Alison, I've not touched a drop of drink for two years. I've now paid off my this. I've now done that. I've now got a team of 10 people that are working for me. He said, and it all came from that conversation with you. So I think that I've I'm always been quite good at that. I'm not saying it's uh, do as I say, not as I do. I do like, I, I, I put money on my credit card. I pay it off every month. I've got a great credit rating. You know, it's all that kind of stuff that I think my relationship with money. And yeah, I think it's always nice to to make a wee bit more. But if you've got a game plan in your business, I think that can happen, if that makes sense. And one of the things for me, I've taken a short-term um, uh, loss for a long-term gain. Does that make sense? Because yeah. I really want to speak at events, right? That's what I really want to do. I've wanted to do that for years. But to speak at an event, like they pay you a load of money for a little bit of time, right? So like literally an hour of time and you can get like five figures for for an hour, right? So that's what I want to do. I want to do that maybe two or three times a week and, and that's kind of what I want to do longer term. But this is where to get into that niche, you've got to grow your profile. So while I'm out there growing my profile, faffing around, 
getting people to know who I am, you don't get paid for that. So, you know, there's a lot of foundation building to finances that I've had to take a hit on to make longer term money. Does that does that make sense? And I think, but you can only do that if you're at a certain level of Maslow's. Otherwise, you don't have that that gap to be able to do that because you'd always go back to try and get the short-term cash yeah absolutely but I think that's why it's so important to have you know that awareness you know I often say to my clients the first step in getting your relationship with money right is having the awareness it's it's not right to begin with and in what areas it's affecting you but in order to get all of that you've got to start off with what is your goal? What is it you want? Okay. How do you want it? Mm-hmm. How are you going to get it? Mm-hmm. Then examining where the gaps are. Mm-hmm. And I think if we all, you know, I'm 53 now and I wish, don't we all, I wish I had my 53-year-old brain when I was 25 because I work now from a perspective of a, of a much longer-term goal but recognise I've got to take the steps in between. Whereas when I was younger, I kind of moved from, you know, week to week to almost weekend to weekend to weekend. But I think when you actually know what it is you want, as exactly as you said there, Alison, you know, ultimately it's public speaking. You want to be known for spending most of your time doing Therefore, recognising the work that you have to do in between is what's going to get you that great. Yeah, filling that gap. And it's interesting because there was somebody on, I saw on LinkedIn that's in a similar space to me. He's been doing it a a lot longer than me. And he put out in November that he had 34 engagements in his diary. So 34. Um, and again, I would say that on average, on average, maybe he makes five grand a gig. So five grand times 34, he would have turned over 170 grand for the month of November. Um, but with not much overheads because his expenses would be on top of those figures. And again, I think I rounded that figure down. But that's where it's great. And I think this is another thing that's really important because... I think the old me or the, the unevolved bef- life before smash it, I'll call it that, because I feel like I discovered the meaning of life and I wrote smash it and now I can see exactly where my flaws lie and how to fix them. But I think the old me would have gone, ah, it's all right for him. You know, he's a man, he's done this and da, 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 da. And I would have been quite fixed mindset about it. But now I think, do you know what? If he can do that, I can definitely do that because it shows there's a niche in the market for people that are paying, you know, that that often in that money. That And that that just puts more fuel on my fire to, to get what I want. So again, I think comparison and money, is that, you know, bringing it back to the money conversation, a lot of that comparison, people are like, I want the Ferrari, I want the swimming pool, I want that. And again, that can either work as an an enabler to drive them on, or actually it affects them with social comparison and that affects their, 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 their mindset, their anxiety, their everything, doesn't it? Because they're comparing themselves to other people, which can cause either procrastination or depression, you know, oh my God, my life's not worthy, you know, look at them, they're living their best life and I'm not. So again, I think it's it's not, you know, it's looking at that and making it be, you know, a, a fuel in the fire rather than a distractor. Yeah, absolutely. And what was I going to say? You were saying something and it triggered something. I can't remember what I was going to say, but I've got something else I was going to say there. Oh, 
Colleen, I have to edit this bit out clearly because it was, <laughs> it, was, it was linked to what you said there. Completely gone. So I, I will I will carry on. So it, very often you hear when people are triggered by seeing somebody else having success, seeing the accoutrements of what that success is. I've heard some people say, well, just turn it off and follow them. Don't listen to what they have to say. Actually, I think completely the opposite. Carrying on, carry on listening to them. Understand why you're being triggered. Because usually if you're being triggered, it's because you want what that person has. Mm -hmm. And the only way you're going to achieve what that person has is to release your trigger. And as you said there, turn it into a fuel to create the action in you rather than use it as something to constantly, either constantly eat you up or for it be to be the elephant in the room. Because even if you unfollow one person, there's going to be somebody else you're following. That's going to all, all the time. And I think, though, it's tapping into it. So I've actually met this person, right? And he's a really nice guy. And I've chatted to him and I'm going like, it's amazing that you're getting all that. Like, just can you fill me in in the secret? Where do you get all that work from? Because... All the speaking stuff that we get, I get directly. So I've not got any bureau. The way that it works, it comes through a bureau. And he's like, ah, Alison, it all just comes through bureau. They just they just give me dates, put it in my diary, and then I deliver. And that's what I mean. So that the strategy then has to be is to be the go-to person that the agencies and the bureaus want. And that's where you've got to, you know, make sure you are picking up that phone, make sure you are engaging with these people, make sure you are, because at the moment, because it is quite a lucrative industry, every man and their dog and their granny is a speaker now. You know, I'm a speaker, everyone's a speaker. But again, I know for a fact that 90% of the work goes to 10% of the speakers. And I want to be in that 10%. I mean, that's just non-negotiable for me. I'm going to be in that 10%. And that's why things like, you know, I've obviously just done the new show for Amazon Prime. You know, I've got the MBE now. I've got two books under my belt. I'm creating myself as the commodity because when you become the commodity, people pay like a diamond. You know, you pay money for a diamond because it's a, you know, if you want a cubic zirconia, you can get it on QVC for a tenner. If you want a diamond, you go to De Beers and you'll get your diamond. That's what I want to do. And that's what you pay for. So that's, you know, having that goal, having that drive and knowing that actually people want to buy diamonds is that 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 reason that you get oh, yeah. up. And, and the message that I deliver I do smash it. So I know that I can engage an audience, I can educate an audience and I can get them to take action. And that's why I get up every day and do what I do is the impact. And the money comes when you make that impact. To me, they're, they're actually conjoined hand in hand. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. And were, so has every step that you've taken since you were 46 and you set up your first business, has every step you have taken been an intentional step or has there been an element of right place right time and then right shower moment no I don't feel I was ever in the right place at the right time I think everything I've created I've created just by literally sheerly keeping going after it and knowing but I'd say um no at the start it was a shambles Leslie it was an absolute flaming well shambles flaming well see what I did there um because I didn't know like I, I didn't really ever want to start a business I started it because the company I worked for they weren't changing at the same pace as me 
And I phoned my friend and said, what am I going to do? She goes, you're going to set up your own business. So I thought the only way to scale a business was, and again, this is bizarre, that I wanted to become a managing director, really. I wanted to run the company. I didn't want to deliver the training. I was going to get other people to do that. And that was not known enough about the numbers in the business. That's what we all kind of went off off the rails and it didn't, you know, I've always, you know, I've always made profit, always done, you know, I've, I've got a good trading history, but I, I can remember, and it was linked just after, it was quite turbulent, you know, I had to make somebody redundant, it was messy, it was, ugh, it was all a horrible, horrible time. But my friend is one of the key lecturers at the University of the West of Scotland and she was doing this thing called Micro Tycro, I think it was. Yeah, it's like a charity. They give the money to um, entrepreneurship in developing countries. They buy the seeds, they grow the carrots, they sell the carrots, all that kind of stuff. But the seed money was coming from this project, charity project. And they said, look, can we sell you can we sell you? Can we sell tickets to you? And I'm like, well, what am I going to do? What am, you know, what do you want? I'm a sales trainer. I don't really know what, what you're going to sell me for. And they're like, could you do a keynote speaker? I'm like, I don't know. What's a keynote speaker? Hold on, let me find out. And then that's when I, I really then got to the fact that I thought, oh, oh, I want, oh, I want to do that. That's what I want to do. And then I thought that it was going to be really easy because I think, oh, I'm quite good at that speaking thing. But it's not just being good at speaking, it's having that really good profile that people want to hear what you've got to say. It's a wee bit like writing a book, Leslie, that, you know, you look at people are like, I'm going to write my autobiography. And, and I, I, I hate to say this, obviously, because we are recording, but actually nobody really gives a damn about your autobiography unless you're Marcus Rashford or you know, whatever it is, the only people that are going to read your autobiography are maybe your kids, your grandkids and your pals, if you're lucky. Yeah. So I think that's where it's, it is for me. It was then I'm going to grow this profile. I'm going to become a commodity. And that's where, again, the Entrepreneur's Godmother really helped that. I was really strategic. You know, it's all documented in the books. I worked with Enterprise Nation. I worked with Small Business Saturday. That's what got me working with government. That's what got me to the Queen's Garden Party. And then every single time, and it was growing a brick in the wall to grow a profile that creates demand. And, you know, where that goes next, obviously, I have my fingers well and truly crossed that the Amazon Prime TV show gives me good edit, gives me good airtime. And again, that would then create more speaking opportunities at events. And, you know, it does come back to that mission and vision. And, you know, when I discovered that this is what I really, really, really wanted to do, I, um, you know, I shut my eyes and the thing that I see is Adele. And you look at, you know, Adele's obviously her magic comes from her music. And she just, when she speaks, people just listen and she touches their souls and she can stand up in front of Wembley Arena and have people, you know, laughing, crying in tears. And that's what I want to do with my messaging. You know, I, I want to make that bigger impact. And, and I shut my eyes and I can see myself at the likes of Wembley Stadium. And, and really, you know, the mission is to help people to smash it in their personal and in their professional lives. And I know that I've got the capacity to do that. 
I've just got to work, you know, doubly hard to grow my profile because I started a business at 46. So that's that's why I got up every day, why I work so hard, why I continue to do what I do, because I do believe in the impact that I can make. But if people don't know who I am, I can't make that impact. Yeah. And you clearly have or you clearly demonstrate because I don't know what goes on in the inside, but you clearly demonstrate a real strength of passion and belief, real, true self-belief in what you can, what you have done, what you can do and what you're capable of doing. And where has that self-belief come from? Um, so it's interesting um, I'm not saying that you don't have your moments of doubt I think everybody has the moments of doubt but Leslie what you see with me is what you get right you've seen me on like, like Clubhouse I'm always the same you talk to my pals from school so I'm up in Scotland next week I'm hanging out with my pals from school like I'm exactly the same and I believe that my self-confidence came originally from my parents because although they didn't have any money I think this brings us back full circle doesn't it um they didn't have any money they always taught me that like effort equals reward right I'm not academic I'm dyslexic um I didn't have any qualifications but my mum always said, well, you know, you're in charge of your own destiny. If you want to go and do something, then you go and do something. And and money wasn't the motivator to make me do that. And, you know, I, I just think that they, they gave me that belief. They gave me that belief that it doesn't matter. Just try it. What's going to happen if you fail? And, you know, at one point they were hoping I'd become a professional golfer because I used to play golf for the West of Scotland and that, you know, that didn't happen. But... I've never been afraid to fail. Never. I mean, I, I went travelling on my own. I turned 21 on the plane on my way to South Africa. It's meant to go for a year. I was away for six years. And, you know, I, I had no fear in changing countries. I think, you just, you know, you get your shot. You just you just love it and you go for it. So hopefully that brings us back round to where we started with the conversation. Yes, yes, absolutely. I can't let you go, though, without asking you, you know, as the entrepreneur's godmother, what would be your top three to five tips that you would give somebody listening in now who didn't necessarily have that sense of belief that you have or didn't have that sense of purpose right now that you have? What should they be doing to develop that in themselves? Well, the first thing is obviously get a copy of the book, Smash It, The Art of Getting What You Want, because all the answers are actually in there. I do feel like I have discovered the meaning of life. But you need to get your goals. Like, I mean, that's non-negotiable for me, because if you look, why do people play football? They play to win. How do you win? You score a goal. If you don't get any goals, you're not going to win. That's to me, not that's not negotiable. Why do you want what you want? You know, what what is the reason that you get up? Because if you're, if you know... If you're wise, strong, you can't go wrong, literally knowing that. So that, again, non-negotiable. Know your numbers. How do you know how to open, you know, most people look at Dragon's Den. The reason they don't get investment, they haven't got a clue about how to open the doors of their, not just their business life, but their personal life. Know the numbers of both personal and business. Every single time that voice tells you, I can't do that, I'm too scared. Well, maybe I should just think about it a bit longer. 
answer it back. Right, I hear you, hear your voice. Why do I feel like that? What's the worst thing that's going to happen? What's the next steps? And we've created in Smash It, I've got the Smash It method. There's an actual method that they can use anytime that they're feeling any of those feelings. And and know that it's normal, like we all feel like that. It's not like everybody gets them. It's how they deal with those feelings that actually helps them to achieve both financially and also in life. I, you know, I think we've all got the, uh, you know, I was going to say we've all got the same opportunities. I don't feel that I was given a lot of opportunity to start with. All I was given was a good Scottish tongue in my head and, and I used I used it and I wasn't scared of failure you know, and anybody has the potential to do that. That's that's not something that, you know, you can't give confidence. You can't give mindset as a gift. You've got to find it yourself. So that would be my top tip. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're totally right there. And I think I think it is very true. You know, we are all capable of achieving whatever we want to achieve. We just have to genuinely believe we are worthy of it and then put the plan in action to make it a reality. Yeah, and not talk the talk. I mean, I know I'm worthy. <laughs> so exactly. that's no, I mean, I don't even have to breathe. And you can say, um, but again, it's come with years of practice. You know, did I, was I always like that? Mm, maybe, maybe not. Have I got better at it? Definitely. So yeah, that's hopefully something that they can take away straight away. Yeah, and I, I definitely think you are smashing it. So how can people connect with you? So, um, on my socials, it's at the Alison Edgar, at the Alison Edgar. Uh, the websites are alisonedgar.com, smashittraining.com, and then on LinkedIn, Alison Edgar MBE. Thank you. And those details will all be in the show notes so people can easily connect with you. I just want to say thank you very much for spending the time with me today absolutely loved our conversation I've absolutely loved how you've spoken about where you want to go next and look forward to seeing you on another stage in the not too distant future thank you thank you Leslie thank you take care thank you for listening to the let's talk money and more podcast if you have enjoyed it I would love it if you would tell somebody else about it You don't have to leave a review or write a post on social media tagging me, Leslie Thomas Coaching on Instagram or the Money Mastery Business Coach on Facebook. But if you do, I promise I will give you a shout out in a future episode and I will be hugely grateful. I can also be found at Leslie-Thomas on LinkedIn. If you would like a copy of my free resource, Three Mindset Shifts, double your income, then please go to leslieathomas.com forward slash let's hyphen talk hyphen money. I would love to hear from you, so please do email me at leslie at leslieathomas.com. I will reply to all messages, but please do be patient. Until next time, remember, master your mindset and in turn, you can master the money you make in your business. Thank you.